Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Steve, and it is my privilege to serve as one of your elders here at Calvary Church. Our reading for today is Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. Page number up in the screen, or open up your device if you want to turn to that with me, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. So, give you just a minute to get that opened up, and we'll read those verses together. This is where Jesus calls the first disciples. This is the beginning of his public ministry. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fish for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Just know that this calling that Jesus gave to his disciples is our calling too, and to be fishers of men. My admonition is not to think about it, but to immediately respond when God has that calling. Know that you are ready, and He'll give you the resources and things that you need to do. May God uh, bless the reading of His Word today. Well, good morning, Calvary Church. My name is Brian Smith. I am one of the pastors here, Reach Associate Pastor. So I have the pleasure and privilege of serving all of Reach Global, all of our missions here at Calvary. But today, I get to bring the word of the Lord to you guys. And I'm really excited about that. Last week, Eric launched us into a new series entitled Go Fish. And um, that is really the focus on uh, what the uh, passage we read last week, Matthew 4:19. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Whereas we're going to see there's different translations of this in English. But really, the focus last week was on the first section of that passage. Come follow me. This invitation to come and be a disciple of Jesus. To come and receive from him, but not just receive. Also give away what you have received. This idea of discipleship. Giving away what you have already received Maybe that's new life in Jesus, and that's giving that away for the first time to someone who's never really heard about it or connected with the gospel. We might call that evangelism. Or maybe it's helping someone in the faith, someone who is in Jesus already, take that next step in closer intimacy with Jesus that we might call discipleship as well. And so that was really Eric's admonition. And this upcoming message today is focused on this second section, Come follow me, and I will make you. I will make you. And so this morning, we're going to jump right in because there's a lot to cover. Feel free to grab a pen from your seat back, take some notes. There will be a section even I'll ask you to take a picture of the screen because we have a lot of verses to go through this morning. So let's jump right on in. So come follow me. This is this idea of, uh, how would you say, this, this discipleship. But this section I will show you, you see in different translations here, we have to understand the Bible was originally written in Greek, and so uh, in the New Testament, and so there's different translations here. We have the New Living that will say, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. You might have the ESV, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so when we look at the Greek, it's actually this word poeo, which can mean to prepare, to lead out in preparation for, to make, or to a point. And so the idea here 
is not so much like, and I, we were talking about this earlier uh, in preparation for this service, it's not, I'm going to make you, like a parent sits down with his kid, I'm going to make you eat your vegetables. <laughs> it's not like that. It's, I will prepare you. I will lead the way. I will, it's almost like the blocking and tackling in a football team as they make the way for the running back to m go through and score the touchdown. That he is the one doing the work, not ourselves. It is that God is going to make us. It is the work of Jesus, the sovereign work of God, to make us into fishers of people as we follow him. And so the message this morning is the sovereignty of God in fishing for people and peoples. And we're going to break that down a little bit. The sovereignty piece, people and peoples, what does this all mean? But first, I think for me at least, as I was thinking about fishing for people, I thought of my own life growing up here in Orange County. I didn't really grow up fishing or anything until high school when I went out fishing with my dad and my brothers and we went squidding. Has anyone been squidding before? It's super fun. And so these are giant Humboldt squid. They're huge. And so, but I don't know what to do. So we get down to Newport and we're like, hey, let's go, let's go catch some squid. And so we had a charter boat that we're going out on, but we go to the bait shop and say, what do we need? We don't know anything. And so the guy's like, yeah, you need one of these gnarly things right here. This is like a six-inch lure with this like bed of knives to catch the squid. It's intense. I say, okay. Well, what else? What bait do we use? Apparently, they eat little squid. And so they said, but before you put on that squid, you cut off a piece and you wipe squid juice all over your hands and you throw it away. Otherwise, they'll smell the squid on you and they won't bite. And so you've got to do that. Okay, we didn't know that. Next. We get out onto the boat, and the boat captain's saying, hey, I know this perfect spot off of Dana Point. This is where we're going to go. It's right where the shelf of the ocean drops off. At this time, this date, they love being there. So let's go. We get out there. He slows the boat, and he pulls out his fish finder. This uses sonar to figure out where all the squid or uh, undersea life is. And he says, oh, they're here, right here off the port side. 400 feet down, drop your lines, and let's catch some squid. And we just went crazy catching squid. Now, why do I share that? Not just because it's fishing, but I had no clue how to fish. My, I didn't grow up fishing. I didn't know what to do. But I dropped my line, and I was listening to the voice of those people, the deckhands. They showed me how to tie the knots. They showed, got everything rigged for me. We, they found the fish. They found the squid. And I just dropped. And then I started reeling. And that's all I did. And this, I think, this idea points us to the reality that it is God's sovereign work in making us into fishers of people. Now, sovereignty, that's a weird word for us. Actually, in Greek New Testament, when you, you look there, it doesn't even use that word really. It says master. And so what does it mean for God to be sovereign over our fishing or our becoming fishers of people? I think it might be this, and this might be a way you could define it. In essence, it's the same thing as the lordship of God, meaning that he has complete power, authority, and freedom to exercise that authority over all of creation. He is above all things and all people. He's not dependent on anyone or anything, but this power and authority does not make him a domineering taskmaster, but rather a loving father who is in control of all things for our good. You might see it this way in scripture. There is so, there's so much scripture, and I love even the focus that we had in worship, this, the bigness of God, but also that he's close. And we're going to see that right here in all these scriptures. Feel free to take your phone, take a picture of this if you'd like. It's a lot, but let's just run through this. 
When we talk about the sovereignty, the bigness of God, that he has all authority, check this out. God has existed eternally, Ephesians 1, 4. He is the creator of all things, Genesis 1. He is independent of you or me or any other being, Acts 17. He is unchangeable, Malachi 3, 6. He is omnipresent, which means that he is present everywhere, Psalm 139. He's omniscient. He knows all things. 1 John 3.20. He is omnipotent. He has all power over all things. Genesis 18 and Matthew 19. He is all wise. Romans 16.27. He is all good. Luke 18.19. And I love these last two. He is also all loving. 1 John 4.8. And he is knowable. Jeremiah 9.24. Why do I love that? We talk about these terms, the sovereignty of God in theological terms. You might say the transcendence of God. He is above all things. You cannot, there is no one above him. He has all power and all authority. And yet, he is close. He is what we might call imminent in theological terms. He is close. He is knowable. He wants to love you, and he wants to be close and present. But you might say, okay, so what does this have to do with us becoming fishers of people? Well, check this out. We have God's mission, the idea of this salvation message of Jesus, that Jesus came to repair our broken relationship with God, that he is God in human flesh, God with us, and that he lived a life we never could live. He died on the cross for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the, uh, the dead, defeating the power of sin and death, and now God's mission is to make this message known to all the ends of the earth, including here in Orange County, God's mission. But that mission is accomplished through the church. That this is God's mode of completing that, which means that in this, there is an invitation that God has because he promises that he will accomplish his purposes on the earth. He will complete his mission. He will make his name famous to the ends of the earth and the salvation message given to everyone. And his sovereignty undergirds it and guarantees that it will be done. You could say it this way, because God's mode of transmitting his salvation message is through the church, where his redeemed people, meaning you and you and you and everyone online who's watching, who calls himself a follower of Jesus, this means he is sovereign over leading us and becoming fishers of people. It is God's work. It is God's sovereign work and process over you becoming fishers of people. This is primarily God's work, and it's he does it as we respond in following him. And so as we look at this, we see that there's a lot of work. There's a lot of fishing on our own shores right here. I even read a recent Barna study released in 2021 that only 6% of all people in America even have a biblical worldview at this point. And of that, just because you know it does not mean that you follow Jesus, right? And so there's a lot of fishing to be done here. And it can seem overwhelming when you look at your workplaces and your neighborhoods and, and the way culture is going. And it can be overwhelming and frustrating and all those things. And yet God's perspective is totally different than that. Totally different. We look at this. John 6, says, No one can come to me, Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And on the last day, I will raise them up. It is God's drawing. The Father's drawing. We see in Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, even before the foundation of the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. 
God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself in Christ Jesus. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Do you see this? That you have been adopted. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus this morning, you have been adopted before the foundation of the world. God saw you. He knew who you were going to be, and he set in place the circumstances for you to know him. It's beautiful, but it's not just you who call yourself believers. There are people who are not of his fold yet that he is also calling in, that he has the same plan for, and he is calling us into that. It's this idea of becoming a fisher of people. And I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Ephesians 2.10. It goes from 8 and 9, talking about the grace of God that is not of our own works that we get into to heaven or that we have right standing with God. But check this out. For we are God's masterpiece. In Greek it says his poema, his beautiful poem, his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned long ago for us. He has good work for you to step into and to walk in it, it says in another translation, that we should walk in it. This is the work that God is preparing for us, and we just have to obey, hear his voice, and walk in it. And I love this. Even as we're talking here, you're like, ah, maybe you're feeling a little bit uneasy. Like, are you calling me to, like, go out and, like, make disciples and tell people about Jesus? Well, yes. And guess what? It might be kind of scary at first. I remember being scared, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the second half. But look at this, Acts 18. Paul was scared. <laughs> he was in Corinth, and he thought he was going to get killed. So what happens? He runs, and he hides. And in a vision, the Lord showed up and said this, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack or harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. And I love that because these, he's not talking about these are Christians. These are people who are pre-Christians. He's saying, I have people that don't know about me, but they will know, and I've already chosen them. I'm sending you out. You don't need to be afraid. I am with you. And I love that. We're going to review that in just a minute. God's witness, his presence with us. But it's not just fishing here. There's fishing offshore to do. God is sovereign over the salvation of entire ethnicities or peoples, people groups, you might call them, nations, as you hear in the Bible. And I'm always going to ring this bell. I will always ring this bell that there are people from every tribe, language, people, and nation that will come into the kingdom of God, but they have not yet heard. This is a map of the 1040 window up here. 3.4 billion people in many thousands of language groups, ethnic groups, entire ethnicities that are cut off from gospel access because there's not enough believers or churches who are around them to tell them. Where we lived, 99% of people there, actually 99.9% of people were Muslim. And so what this is telling us is that there's a lot of fishing to do, and it can seem, once again, overwhelming. But then we just have to remember the words of Jesus in the Great Commission. I love it that it says it this way. Jesus does, says this, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, it says in one translation. Here it says, I have been given all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples. We don't go and make disciples or tell people about Jesus because we think we have some good plan, that we have all the right words, that we know what we're doing. 
I can tell you, I had no clue what I was doing on so many days, getting out there and saying, but God, you have people for me in this city of a million people, hardly any believers, maybe 50. You have people. You have all the authority. It's been given to you, and therefore I go. And then it goes on to say, I am with you always. He's not just a big and above and sovereign. He's with us, and his presence that goes with us ensures that he will accomplish this work of making us into fishers of people. It is God's work, and we can rest in that. You've heard this passage coined the Great Commission. You've heard it maybe coined or talked about as a great commandment to go and make disciples. But what if we saw this not as either of those, but as a great certainty that this will happen? We're already on the winning team. We cannot lose. God's own character undergirds and secures that this will be done. His name will be preached to all the nations, and then the end will come, Matthew 24, 14 says. And therefore, we can walk in certainty. We can walk in certainty, knowing that this isn't up to us to make ourselves into fishers of people, but it's God's work. And there is such a joy that comes in that. So what does that look like? We can talk all day about theological realities. We can say, yeah, that's true. But what does this look like in reality played out in our lives? How do we actually live this out as we go and we make disciples or invite people into the kingdom of God? What does that look like? Let me give us a little bit of a a picture really quick, a vision for what this could be. Peace. Peace. Some of you, when thinking about sharing at your workplace and your neighborhoods with family or friends, it freaks you out. I get that. But there is peace, and I love the second part that goes along with it, boldness and courage. You know that the disciples were freaked out when Jesus was killed, and they hid in the upper room till the Holy Spirit came? And when the Holy Spirit came, they were filled with boldness and courage and went out, proclaiming the word of the Lord. And it says right there in Acts that regular people said, these are ordinary men who had been with Jesus. It's not because they had it all down. They're ordinary men. They're fishermen. I mean, he's calling fishermen right here. And yet, they say, these guys were with Jesus. It's about God's presence going with you as you go. And so it's not about you making yourself. It's about you stepping into what God is making you into. And there's kindness and patience that comes along with that as well. There's kindness and patience. You don't have to Bible beat people. You don't have to force people into the kingdom of God. You don't have to figure this out and make it happen because it's God's sovereign work. And so as we do this, there are four R's I want us to remember as we step into this lifestyle. And I'm going to share a few stories here to kind of put some meat on the bones because the reality is that we need to be encouraged to, to go forward because it can be freaky. But I, I think that God wants to encourage us this morning. The four R's I have are remember, request, receive, and radiate. Remember, request, receive, and radiate. What do I mean remember? Preach the character of Christ to yourself daily. Preach it to yourself. Remember who you are in Christ, and then that will move you into dependence on God. So what does this look like? For me, at least, in the morning, I'm getting up and taking a shower. Even this morning, I'm like, yeah, preaching, I, it's not really my thing, but it's like, all right, what, how, God, what are you going to do? And so I started saying, God, this is who you are. You are good. You're already calling people to yourself this morning. You've been working. You will continue working while I'm preaching. You're going to continue working after I'm done preaching. And it really isn't about me. God, I thank you that you're in control of all things. And I start preaching it to myself. 
Why? Because it's the truth. And I need it to not just be a mind, like something that I, I assent to and say, yeah, that's true, but, but rather it moves deeper into my understanding and how I walk out in my faith. Right? That's what it needs to look like. And I do this, I work a different job as well, not just as a pastor, I work in business as well. And so before I'm doing a consulting gig, I go on in and I'm praying for my coworkers as I'm going in and the clients I work for. And I'm praying that God would meet them. And she gets into this, request. Ask God for it. And I want to ask you this morning, how do we see God? Do we see him as sovereign and on the throne? Do we see him as generous and kind? I love the, the idea of Jesus as the good shepherd leaving the 99 to go after the one. Sometimes we, we think that we're like, well, God, God, if it's just your will, maybe you might reach out to this person. No, pray in boldness. Come before his throne of grace with boldness and ask. I love that it says in scripture that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know? It is God's will that people come into the kingdom of God. So ask God for that. And so when I go and I pray for coworkers, as I'm praying and I'm going along, I've learned over the years to not just say, God, well, maybe, it may be if you might. Well, no, I say, God, you are drawing this person. Do your sovereign work that you started before the beginning of time, that you will do this. And I just get to play a role and step into it. Thank you for that joy. I began to pray, and I, I pray specific things, and I began to do that because you have to listen to the voice of God. What is he doing? Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. He only did what he saw the Father doing. I, I believe in large part that is why he was so successful in his ministry. So what does this look like? I remember when I was first in San Diego, young, trying to figure this out as part of a discipleship group there. And they said, okay, here's some Starbucks cards. Go out to a local Starbucks and go um, sit down and ask God to see if there's anyone there that he would have you pray for or encourage and ask God who that person is and ask what specific thing to pray for or encourage them for. And so I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird mumbo jumbo stuff, but let's try it. So I sit down at Starbucks and I just ask God, okay, what do, you, what do you want to do? And I get this just nagging thought in my brain. You'll know when you see the dog. And suddenly I'm like, okay, I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. It's official. My wife already knew it, but now this is official. I'm going crazy. And I'm sitting there, and I start freaking out. I'm sitting there 20, 30 minutes, and I'm like, okay, there's a park nearby. Do I go to the park? And like, I know people walk dogs over there. So I'm like starting to way overthink it. And so I'm starting to freak out and sweat. It's been like 45 minutes, and I'm like, what am I going to do? So I'm like, forget this. I'm done. I'm hitting the eject button. I'm out. I start to stand up for my seat, and right then, a man walks around the corner, and he's, he has a dog in tow, and he hands me the leash to his dog and says, hey, they don't let me go inside Starbucks with my dog. I want to get a coffee. Can you hold my dog? And then all of a sudden, I'm going, oh, shoot, i got to say something. <laughs> it happened. Ah! So what am I going to do? So I'm like uh, formulating, formulating, and he comes out, and I say, ah, uh, well, um, well, I felt like God might have been speaking to me. Like, can I, can I pray for you? And I shared the story, and he goes, looks at me, and he says, F you, and he walks off. So over a few days, I'm like, what was that? <laughs> and you know what? You know what I started to realize? God, 
I'm not in charge of the fruit. You are the Lord of the harvest, not me. But I was starting to hear your voice, and you want to speak to me. You want to speak to me and lead me, just like Jesus heard what the Father was doing. That's what you're doing, but he didn't receive it. And so I'm beginning to learn more about this. Years go by, a couple of years, and we're in San Diego, and we're thinking about launching out to the nations. As you know, we were missionaries overseas. And so we went to the missions organization that we are going to go with, and they do this assessment. It's a two-week process to see if you're ready to go overseas. And at the end of the assessment, they gave us a big, eh, not ready, not ready. Go back to the drawing board, do some counseling, do work on your life. Ugh, it's a bummer. I was in a dead-end job. I didn't really like it. I was like, what am I doing here? And I was trying this whole time to meet Muslims around in our neighborhoods, and it just wasn't happening. And I was getting more and more frustrated. God, where are you in this? What the heck? I thought I said, like, I would do anything, but where are you? This isn't happening. I'm talking to Muslims, and it's not really going anywhere. And so I'm like, all right, God, what are you going to do about it? And I start asking, what are you going to do about it, God? And all of a sudden, I started getting another nagging thought years later. This time, it's go get a dog. And I'm like, now I'm going really crazy. <laughs> go get a dog. But I can't get it out of my brain for months and months. So finally, we go and get Opal. This is our dog, our dog that we had. However, she, we, I shouldn't have named her Opal. Her name should have been Jonah, because day one, she ran away. <laughs> oh my goodness. So she's running up the street, and I'm sprinting up the hills of San Diego after her. This is insane. I'm sprinting after her. She gets to the edge of this condo complex where there's a fence uh, right outside the patios that they have. She jumps onto the patio through the fence, and I can't get through. I'm like, oh my goodness, where's my dog going? And then she runs into the open sliding glass door. And I start hearing yelling inside of the house. Oh my goodness, ah, God, this dog you gave me, what in the world? And out comes a Muslim family. God has a sense of humor with me sometimes. <laughs> we start talking to them. This Muslim family, we build a relationship with them. They're from uh, Africa, Ethiopia in particular. And then they say, oh, have you met Hassan and Munira who live across the street? They're Muslims from Jordan. And then I meet Hassan and Munira, and Hassan starts connecting me to all the Muslims in the neighborhood. And before you know it, I'm talking to Muslims from Yemen, and from Kazakhstan, and from Ethiopia, and all these other places about Jesus and the hope we have in Jesus. God was the one doing the work, even when I was like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, and resisting. That's how good God is. But I began to learn, I have to start requesting. I have to start asking and saying, and expecting that God's going to move. And that gets us into this. Not just request, but receive. Are you ready to receive? Are you expectant that God's going to move? I began to learn more and more about that. And not just for other people. When you go, there's such a joy in the going. And I love that it says this in the Great Commission. It, in the Greek, it means, as you are going, tell people. So as I'm going along in life, I'm learning more and more. I need to be hearing the voice of God, and I need to be obeying and knowing that he's going to break through. He's going to break through. I started to also prepare, saying, okay, I want to be ready to have the little, what I call Shema statements. Shema literally means listen up, perk your ears, pay attention. That's what Shema means. And so I would 
think about different things that would come up in my life that people often would ask me or conversations, and I'd find a way to somehow mix Jesus or a spiritual conversation into that. I began to slowly turn this saying, God, I'm preparing because I know you've got people for me in this city. I know it. A man from our church got us in or got me into a really uh, high-powered consulting firm in San Diego, and I was based on um, a, a client location with about 5,000 people. And he said, hey, I'll get you in, but one of the things I want you to know, we're here to not just make money or to do good work. We're here to build the kingdom of God. Are you going to come with me? Okay. And you know what we started doing every day, walking around that campus and praying. And the way this man prayed for his, our coworkers and for our clients, he was calling out for the kingdom of God to be planted among them. And after a few years, we had about two dozen people who had come to faith on that campus. Amazing of what God was doing. But it wasn't us. It wasn't our role primarily. It was God doing the work. I remember one night I had a dream about a coworker. In this dream, Here's this coworker, and there's this large boulder right there. And I see the hand of God come and move it until it's a tiny little pebble. So what am I learning? God, you're doing something. All right, what are you going to do? So I show up to work the next day, and I said, I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to say a single thing. And Christine, my coworker, at about lunchtime, the clients left, and she said, hey, I have to ask you something. You and this other coworker who are believers are totally different than anyone I've ever seen. What makes you so different? He said, well, do you want to have lunch and we can talk about it? So we get lunch. I share my story of how God's brought me into his kingdom, how he saved me, how he's changed my life. Share share the good news with her. And she says, I believe everything that you have just said. That's amazing. But I'm not sure if I'm ready to follow Jesus. I know that will cost me everything. That giant boulder came a little, little pebble right there. And it happened. It was God's work. And can I encourage you too? People here in different ways. I love this. My, my wife is um, not like this. She doesn't hear from the Lord in this way. But how did God speak to you? How do you hear his voice? So my wife hardly ever has things like this where it's like get a dog or like other weird things. That's me, okay? I, I'm kind of the weirdo in the family. So, But you know what she, she does? She loves people really well. And so when she hears of a neighbor who might have a need we have a neighbor who um, has an autistic child. Sometimes there's um, some yelling that's going on next door, and it's not because they're bad. It's just it, they're figuring out how to work through their emotions, right? And, but this, the mom is a little bit like, uh, I feel bad for my neighbors and this and that. And my wife is so sweet. She just comes over and is like, hey, we love you, and we're just praying for you that God would just give you what you need. And th- that's it. There's nothing, and it's just her heart of wanting to love this lady. She's like, thank you so much. And this is a way of her stepping out, right? And so being led by the Holy Spirit in love, not just hearing his voice, but also love. I want to give you one more example, too, because this is real talk. One more example. We moved here back here from the field. I didn't want to be back in America. In many ways, I still don't. I wish I was still overseas. God was working there, but he has us here. But I fought that for sometime. Have you seen a trend here? Tend to fight things sometimes with the Lord. But we, had, we moved into an apartment and we had nothing. And so I'm like, all right, where's the cheapest place to go? Ikea. Let's go to Ikea. So I go to Ikea to buy some furniture 
and uh, it was absolutely overwhelming to me. You have to understand, I'm coming from a Muslim context where women are covered from head to toe. So being in Southern California, and it must have been like university day or something at Ikea, but it was like, whoa, this is a lot of information here as a guy, like transitioning into this culture. Like I'm having like a cross-cultural moment, right? This is kind of weird. And I, I start getting really angry and frustrated. And I'm not having success at Ikea, not finding the stuff that I'm looking for. And finally, I get into line, and I'm there, and I hear that, that, that idea, that voice again, saying, hey, pray for the cashier. Pray that she would feel loved and cared for by Jesus. Pray with her. So I'm like, huh, okay. But then, right in front of me, there's this girl, this lady, and I got distracted. She was not wearing the most helpful thing, and she was on her phone on her Valley Girl voice, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is driving crazy. And I start getting angry, and I start getting bitter, and all this stuff, and my heart gets consumed with that. And I, I just, I'm off the, the trail. She finishes her conversation. She gets up to the cash register, and there's this lady, and she says, hi. Like, I don't know if this is for you, but I was just praying in line, and I felt like God was leading me to share that he loves you and he sees you. No matter what you're going through or how you see yourself, he loves you and sees you. And this woman starts breaking down and weeping. And then this lady, the valley girl voice lady in front of me says, two years ago, I tried to commit suicide. And it was a failed attempt. I was struggling with bulimia and all these things, but God rescued me. God rescued me. And so she, they exchanged phone numbers. There's like hugging and weeping. And it's like, man, God, you're so good, you're so sovereign that you're still calling this lady. You're still calling this lady, but I missed out on so much joy. The joy of partnering with you. And so I want to encourage you. Learn from my mistakes. Don't, don't hold back. Listen to the voice of the Lord and begin to step out, expecting that he's going to do that. Radiate Jesus. Radiate Jesus daily. Daily radiate him. Put on Christ, begin to learn to hear his voice, and start stepping out knowing that it's God's work and not your own. Final reminder, John 15, apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. It is God's work to do this in you, and there is joy to be reaped along the way. Because it's not just about you doing good things. Don't hear a pick yourself up by your bootstraps message. No, 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 no. This is we get to go along with Jesus in this journey. It's amazing to see what he's going to do in us. And so this morning, I want us to take some time to respond. We're going to have Ron come up and play a little piano for a bit, and the worship team come and lead us. But I want us to respond in prayer. There's a couple of different ways. Maybe one is that you are like, wow, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I see the fingerprints of how God's been leading me and you're here this morning, I think that God might be calling you to say, today's the day. Today's the day to say, Jesus, I want to I walk with you. I want to be yours. I want to follow you. I want to call you to come and pray with some people at the prayer points over here on the sides. I want to call you. Come, receive, pray, because you know that God's been calling you. And today's the day to know him. And second, 
If you think that God has been calling you more to step out into this lifestyle of evangelism and discipleship, and you felt a blockage of fear in that you need to know that God is with you, you need to know that his presence goes with you, and you need to hear his voice to lead you and guide you, maybe you're even starting to step out, and you're like, it isn't working. Uh, God, what are you doing? We want to pray with you and for you that God would speak clearly to you. You would hear his voice and be able to respond in a way that says, yes, absolutely, I am with you. And so Ron, start playing, come now, come now and receive prayer. I'll be over here. Some of the pastors and and elders will be over here to the sides. Come, receive prayer. Don't leave this morning without stepping out and saying, God, I want to meet with you this morning. I need you, lead me.